Welcome to Product by Design with Kyle and Eva, a podcast about product management and product design, where we'll talk about subjects from product strategy to inclusive design. Every episode, we just have a good conversation about all the things that you may already know or not know, and occasionally we'll have a guest from maybe engineering or other product managers and designers to talk about all these topics. Welcome back to another episode of Product by Design with Kyle and Eva. I am Kyle. And I am Eva. And today we have a super special guest. And Anjali, I know this is a funny thing is that I keep pronouncing your name, Anjali. And I know a lot of people are secretly wondering if I'm doing it wrong or if they are doing it wrong. So do you want to tell us how to pronounce your name properly? Uh, You are exactly right. So, I mean, uh, that happens with me. Uh, I have thought a lot about this like how does a person think about their identity with the names and like there are so many uh, things about the cultural thing right uh, yes. the different syllables different alphabets like how the pronunciation happens it's so different in different areas of the world when i came to us for example obviously i have a different accent different way i talk about things right so yeah, the name is only yes, one yes. factor of that. Uh, yeah, coming back yeah. to your, how do yeah. I pronounce me... my name? It's like U-N, Un, Jali. So yes, the pronunciation when everyone speaks uh, my name in US, I think 80% of them say Anjali, <laughs> uh, which is, uh, I mean, I, I know they're talking about me, so it's fine. But uh, just like, I don't yeah, understand, yeah. like I just have one A, so I don't understand why it becomes like a, and yeah, we should yeah. do a culture podcast, but let me give a short introduction to uh, now I know I'm correct, uh, Anjali. <laughs> yeah, so she's um, a product manager. Um, she works with us, uh, Kyle and Eva and Anjali. We all work together and she has a very impressive resume uh, working at multiple um, multi-gazillion dollars company. I know you used to work at um, uh, GE at one point, right? And American Express before. And so... And, and now we have the honor to be working alongside with Anjali in the product uh, product side of things at ClearLink. And uh, we're very excited to have her here. And as you already could tell, uh, Anjali's not from here. And can I tell people where you're from? <laughs> of course. <laughs> She's from India. And now we're all in the beautiful state of Utah. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome. Yeah, definitely. Now I'm going to be like super afraid to like pronounce your name because I'm definitely one of the (laughs) ones who are pronouncing it wrong. So I apologize. We're really excited to have you on. And uh, we're going to be talking about product discovery today, which is a really awesome topic to be talking about um, because it's something that is really important to everything that uh, we do as both product managers and product designers and product teams in making sure that we're, you know, building the right things, which is a huge thing that we we talk about all the time, but also that we're doing it in the right way. So that's kind of a huge topic. But I guess before we jump into it, is there anything that we want to kind of chat about? We never just jump into it. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> I was just going to ask, like, out of all the things that's happening, I want to talk about the least stressful thing which is my cat right now outside mailing because they always want to come in here when I'm recording they're always like what is going on in here so very happy that I'm with my cats every day but yeah and my landlord is 
sawing something downstairs. So apologies if anyone can hear that. Yeah. How's everyone doing? <laughs> it's so important to think about least stressful thing. <laughs> right. Yes. I mean, obviously what makes you happy at this point, there is to stress about so many things going on in the world. Yeah. I am really grateful right now that I have my in-laws with me. I mean, I'd never thought I would say that, but <laughs> It's been a blessing for us. You might be listening to this podcast and know that you didn't want to say this before. <laughs> I mean, everyone talks about the in-laws in the States, but right now it's a blessing for me. And I'm, I've been able to concentrate on work because of that reason. Like I have a seven month old who they're helping tons with her. They are so good with her. So, I mean, like that's one of the things I'm really grateful for and think that has been causing less, less stress, which I know for Many of the parents and families, that's a big deal right now. People working from home, having toddlers, uh, having so many children. Like, it's so difficult at this point of time. Yeah. And Kyle, you have yeah. kids too. So how's that I going? I do. Yeah, I know. I love this. As, like, focus on the least stressful things. So... Uh, my kids have been taking my breakfast order all morning. So they've literally brought in a menu for me to pick from. And then they'll go out and make breakfast uh, just out of like toy food and then bring it in for me all morning. So I've had just a a whole feast of breakfast coming in and out all morning long, which has been great. Right now, I have a breakfast of, I'll describe it for you, strawberry, banana, hot dog, chicken, toast, eggs, and pancakes sitting next to me. You got lunch and dinner. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. So I'll I'll try and like tone down the breakfast. I'll be like, "Hey, can I have some eggs?" And my daughter will be like, "What about eggs and hot dog and chicken and bacon?" I'm like, "All right. That sounds like that's a real breakfast right there." And so that's yeah. that's how we do breakfast, I guess. Is that the whole menu that they basically bring you or are there more things that you just didn't pick? Oh, there's all there's all sorts of things. Yeah. There's there's literally everything. I guess they don't have quite the the pa- the refined palate yet for you know what things go together. <laughs> so sometimes it's just just about anything. They're like, hey, we brought you a bowl full of like peas and hot dogs and oatmeal and strawberries and and tomatoes and apples. And they're like, nice, this is good. <laughs> let let us know when they start offering delivery because. I, I need breakfast. My my husband has been too busy to make breakfast. And I am hungry. <laughs> He's a breakfast guy. So I'll have them send over the menu and you can start picking. P- please do. Please yeah. do. That will help out a lot. <laughs> That's the least stressful things. And I don't know, we don't have to talk about the most stressful things. The world's falling apart and we have been speculating what could, what could happen the rest of this year. And I don't know, more earthquakes? That feels like probable, but even then like the least, I don't know, maybe even the least worrisome of things. I I don't even want to say something yep. like that. So like knock on wood, I guess. Don't jinx it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we always end on something very stressful and then we just say, let's get into it. And then we get into it. So shall we get into it? Let's get into it. <laughs> so product discovery, I guess let's kick it off with the, I guess the main question, what is product discovery. So Anjali, we'll start off with you. What is product discovery? So uh, I was just listening to what your kids are doing with you, the whole menu (laughs) thing and the breakfast thing. And you actually are talking about exactly that concept, product discovery, the menu. Like they are asking you, what do you want? And then accordingly, making sure they make it for you and then present it to you and check with feedback. I mean, that's what we are looking at product discovery. It doesn't matter. Like your 
toddlers know exactly what product discovery is all about. They are, I think they are doing a superb job here, it seems like. So, yeah, I mean, it ties down, right? Uh, how, what exactly discovery is all about. Uh, discovery to me is just a concept in the process of building a great product. Fundamentally, uh, there are two real software problems. First, we need to figure out the right product to build, and then we have to build the product right. Discovery is about building the right product. It helps creating a product which will for sure be used by real users. The focus is to identify the problems, create the solution, targeting four different kinds of risk. Uh, the value risk, I mean, will the customer really buy it? The usability risk, can they use it? Feasibility risk, can we build it? And then the viability risk, can our business stakeholders support it? On the other hand, the other thing that I spoke about was delivery, which is about building the product right. A product that is reliable, scalable, maintainable, and delivers optimal performance. These two things are so hand in hand, they, they work like a well-oiled machine. Discovery really starts with creating a growth mindset and de developing our empathy for the customers. But while the focus is on discovery, it's important to remember that it has to lead to delivery for actually reaping the results. You've touched on, I think, some really key points there. One thing that you said that I just absolutely love is that it's about building, well, I guess a whole bunch of things. So building the right product and then building the product right. So those two sides of a similar thing. And it's the process of really building a great product. And so product discovery, and I think you just encapsulated so much in everything there that is just so spot on, that it's it's really about ensuring that we're building the right things, that we're doing it in the right way, and that we're really reducing a lot of the risk around what it is that we're building in product development. And you touched on some really key risks that I think are are important to to maybe highlight. And and you know maybe we jump into some of those things that that's kind of the what around product discovery. Let's talk about maybe some of those risks that you brought up around, you know, what are some of those risks and why is it important that we identify some of them? So you brought up a couple important ones. What were some of those? And you know, why is it important that we identify and, and mitigate some of those? Yeah, so I already like kind of uh, touched on like, what exactly uh, are these risks that we are talking about? Uh, the usability part of it, uh, like our customers, like you need to create a, a product which is actually going to be used by your customers, right? So you have to make sure that it, the value that it is creating is the right value. Product discovery does that we have to make sure we are mitigating these risks and being able to like find a product which will be used by these customers. I keep stressing about that. And it's like about discovering those problems which the customers are facing. Basically, product discovery is a very good method to be able to find out the evidence that we are building the right thing for the users and really creating the unique value for them. And in general, like if everyone in the company, in the product teams is basically using this product discovery, we will be able to foster an environment of learning, which helps improve product incrementally, incrementally and consistently. Uh, there, there was a very good book that uh, I read a summary of. Uh, Marty Kagan talks about the summary in his one of his recent blogs. Uh, it was about 
creative selection uh, inside Apple's design process during golden age of Steve Jobs by Ken. I'm going to not pronounce his mm-hmm. last name. I'm, I'm sure I'm going to mess it up. But he's an engineer and he talks about the value of a product discovery in, in an engineering language. We all know that iPhone brings in about $200 billion a year for Apple, and it's the primary reason that they're valued at more than $1 trillion. He talks about just a basic problem that he was solving, which is like, uh, need to figure out how to easily and effectively going through hundreds of prototype guided um, prototypes for that and finding out one that is guided in the right direction by feedback from different perspectives. I mean, I'm just giving an example of Apple, but I, there are several companies which have utilized product discovery in a very good way and like being able to see the great, its results. The risks are a very small part of it, obviously need to be thought through very properly, but like identify the right problem, identify your target users, trying to cater to exactly the solutions that will work for them instead of just thinking about the ideas in terms of what you like. Like it's such a big mindset that has to be implemented for all the teams. I think that's really great. And I'd love to, so I'd love to jump into some more examples. I think that that'll be really awesome. But maybe before we do, we should talk a little bit about the discovery process. Like what does product discovery entail? What are some of the principles of it? And what does it look like for a team to kind of go through product discovery? So with that, from from your perspective, Anjali, what are some of the steps or I guess some of the principles of product discovery? Because it's obviously not like a, you know, a step one, step two, step three necessarily, but there's some different frameworks that we can use to do product discovery. And it kind of varies depending on who you talk to, but they all kind of follow similar frameworks or principles in in theory in kind of how we can get our teams working in the same direction as far as doing product discovery. So so what are those? Uh, so it's funny that uh, you talk about frameworks and like the different kind of process because discovery, there is where it is very different than delivery. Delivery is something that every organization thinks about, the agile practices, the CICDs and other things. It's such a mature process that's out there. Discovery, on the other hand, it's still not mature. It's an evolving thing. Still, obviously, for every team to be able to do a proper discovery process, it needs to be well-structured. There are so many different techniques. It might be very difficult for us to get into specifics of them, but just like a team needs to, like when a team is trying to think about discovery, they should be trying out different techniques and finding out what works for them. It needs to be a structured process. The main thing about choosing any technique that works for you is like you need to prioritize fast learning over everything else. It is a teamwork. Anytime you think about discovery, product, design, and the engineering team have to be working towards the exact same goal, being very devoted towards discovery. They need to be aligned towards three key themes. Uh, first is tackling the risk upfront. We spoke about the risk uh, before. Solving problems collaboratively and focusing on outcomes rather than outputs. So not talking about features, but really achieving what the customer needs from us. There are different, as I said, there are different techniques uh, around these. One of the quite popular one is from, again, from Marty Kagan. Uh, it's like framing the problem, 
planning the target users, identifying the risk and metrics. Like there is a proper like step by process. There are there are sometimes like that that we can also incorporate. Then it goes to the ideation. He has divided these two phases into particular things. He speaks about a lot of emphasis on defining the problem right. That is the key for any of the discovery that we talk about. It doesn't matter which technique you're talking about. Discovering the right problem is the most important things, and obviously for the right users. Then comes the ideation phase, wherein you're generating the product ideas, and you have to make sure you're co-creating these solutions with your customers and the teams. Then you go to the prototyping and testing phase, wherein you need to test the things that matter and test all the hypotheses, specifically all that can fail, right? So that you are actually generating the right solution to the customer's problem. Overall, uh, uh, there is a, t- a term called transformation. That's something that is a mindset that every organization should start thinking about if you have to go towards discovery. Basically, moving from a mercenary output focused uh, focus team to truly empowered, accountable, outcome-focused teams. You guys actually had a fantastic uh, podcast last week, uh, last, I guess, two weeks back or something like that called Design Thinking. It exactly talks about that. Like uh, Design Thinking is one of the most very powerful technique for trans- discovery transformation. This is interesting because, I mean, we were just saying how a lot of the design thinking, you know, or any principles in the UX realm actually kind of overlaps or kind of mirrors a lot of what we talk about in product discovery. And I I, I am actually very glad that we share a lot of these areas because it is true that it is not just a product designer's job or UX researcher's job. It's not a one person's job to care for the customer. And I'm, yeah, just, just excited that um, to hear Yes, we're all doing the same thing, trying to build the right thing in, you know, our uh, different ways in how we, you know, execute. And I'm also very curious, too, since, I mean, of course, I am like preach. Yes, let's do this. In your experience, have you ever uh, encountered any resistance or people don't understand why we need to do discovery? Uh, Let it be they don't understand the process or why we have to wait so long before we have to, you know, that, that, that we can build. Uh, wait so long before we can build. Uh, do you have any experience on that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we have common experiences, Eva. So obviously <laughs> I, I know what you're talking about. The problem is like, again, coming back to this thing, the organization mostly f- to focus on delivery rather than discovery. And discovery is a mindset change for any organization, right? So resistance-wise, yes. Uh, more than resistance, it's like, ignorance i feel sometimes like people not knowing what are the benefits and sometimes when you are trying to pitch a very long process of discovery it's really difficult for people to accept that you have to do all these steps to come to something that has already been working for them right so i feel like it's not about resistance mainly it's about not knowing what product discovery is about how can we implement small things uh, and be able to do a few good things and be able to do those things for the customers, that whole empathy about customers rather than just thinking about all your products in feature-wise. Uh, I mean, there are so many things, uh, and the education part matters a lot. Other than resistance, I have also I, I have seen examples of how product discovery is misused by teams. You 
I mean, I have done that. I, I will give you a good example of what I have done. And when I'm reading more about product discovery, I'm like, uh, I, I, I'm one of the culprits. <laughs> I, I know, like the MVP thing, right? That's a very good example. Like product as a prototype discovery. Uh, you are thinking about like a solution already and like working on a code, which is a, like a working code has been delivered which is written from the start to be leveraged in the finished product. There is a high engineering involvement in that and it is very expensive to change. We, I have done that in one of my products and I feel like maybe if I would have known better, I would have approached it from a different mindset. So, I mean, uh, there are so many different pitfalls. I've, I've been reading about another example. I'm just thinking about like partial team discovery, like not involving your engineers in the product discovery part. That is very obvious. Like uh, there are different reasons to it. We can dive into those, but like that is one of the things that happens most of the times. Then also like teams using product discovery to just validate their existing ideas, like pre something that they have already committed to and just using discovery techniques to be able to validate their, yes, I'm right. This is how it should be kind of things. So yeah, resistance is one of those things, but yes, preconceived notions of uh, pre-discovery and trying to do things without really thinking about the primary reason why discovery has to be made are some of the things I have seen. Does that answer your question? 100%. Like, I felt like that was definitely uh, very realistically what can happen when, you know, as we try to push different initiatives or bring up these ideas of how we can do things. And 100% of the time, either, I mean, like you said, it's maybe more hesitation in not knowing what we're trying to introduce and people usually are like, wait, what is this? You know? And, and I think what you have said there um, definitely is very helpful for, you know, whoever's listening that is trying to bring this idea into their organization too. But I am very interested in maybe in short, can you uh, tell us a little bit of the benefits of introducing, uh, I guess, bringing in engineering at the beginning, you know, to be part of the discovery. Cause I think this is something that it's very Obviously, you know, the UX portion is involved at the very beginning and then product manager, we're all working together. And yeah, I just kind of want to hear what you think the benefits are of bringing engineering in. So one of the biggest risks that I was talking about uh, that we have to tackle from the start is the feasibility risk. Can we actually Mm. build the solution, right? I mean, uh, that is just one of the facets why engineering matters in this case. Like, they are the people who are going to tell us like, this is a fantastic idea, but can we really build it with the minimal effort and be able to like find out if uh, it will actually create the results we want to achieve, right? That's one of the things, the risk part, why we should bring engineering very early on. The second part is like the prototyping thing. There are different types of prototypes that you can actually present to your users. One obviously being the UX part of it, just trying to create the whole user flow and trying to understand if that works. But then there are minimal prototypes which kind of involve coding. And there is where engineers can have a lot of output. They can maybe create some kind of proof of concepts which you can, we as product team can work with the users and find out if it works. But most importantly, one thing that I have noticed is my the best ideas of improving product in my case come from engineers. These guys are really smart. Like they code, like it's such a amazing thing that they do. They have great ideas. The thing is like, 
because normally the organizations are used to output mercenary kind of style, uh, people are not really sure how they can contribute. But once you try to make them understand that, guys, if you have some ideas, please let us know. We will do the required homework to find out if, if these ideas actually are sustainable and will give you the right results. I have seen that they are forthcoming. They, they would be trying to participate and give you those ideas. They are ready to participate into the kind of user research. They go and sit with the users, understand what's going on, and come back with such amazing things that they can do. It's like, uh, I have had those experiences wherein we were doing some kind of beta testing and I had my developers on the floor and they came back with this thing like, oh, I never thought they will be using it this way. I think I can really solve this. It can be very easy. And literally they just sit and code and tell, give, give some kind of prototype to me, which can work for the uh, problem that they faced uh, when they were on the floor. Like, I think there are great benefits. Like engineers, they have to be part of the product discovery if you really want to build the product right. And then they obviously are part of the bigger picture of delivery, right? So building the right thing, if they already know what the big picture is, what exactly are the problems they are uh, solving, they would have great solutions to it in terms of both the technical architecture as well as uh, the functionality. Oh, it's beautiful. I feel like if there's any engineering side folks hearing this, probably they're in tears <laughs> saying yes, yes. Oh, I love my engineering team. <laughs> and if you're, if you're on the engineering side and aren't participating in some way, I'd say definitely look to get involved for for whatever reason. So sometimes that can be because you maybe just haven't had the opportunity to get involved. You know, definitely look to change that. Or maybe you just haven't felt like you want to get involved. You know, I've had teams or, or engineering folks that I've worked with that, you know, that just hasn't been necessarily where they want to get as involved. But from, I guess, a product and design standpoint, like, there's a huge benefit to it for kind of that diversity of perspective. And so having engineers involved, especially early on and not just kind of tossing things over the wall and saying, you know, here's what it is. Let's go build it, which just has never really worked that well. So, you know, kind of moving that thinking forward and having, you know, much more collaboration early on. It's just a huge, huge benefit for everybody involved. So being able to, like Anjali was saying, being able to see the entire picture, being able to kind of give that input early on as opposed to later is a huge benefit for product managers, for designers. So, you know, I think from for most product managers and designers, like we want that, like we want our teams, everybody to kind of be giving that early input, you know, have the, that collaboration early on. So if it's kind of a structural thing, as far as like companies or teams are concerned, you know, let's work together to overcome that. If there are engineers or folks listening and you're just kind of like on the fence about like, ah, do I want to take time to do that? Take a little bit of time. It'll be awesome for you and it'll be awesome for everybody involved to get your insight in, in that process as well. Yeah. And I... Definitely also want to tell non-engineering folks who are most likely like, you know, UX people or product managers listening to, I'd say that uh, if you haven't already, which I know a lot of you have, uh, invite your engineers to, you know, get in touch with 
uh, whatever means and ways they can to to get a little taste of what it's like to see, you know, how the users use the product. And kind of like what Anjali said, they usually have super crazy good ideas. And I think sometimes it just comes off a little bit like, oh, I'm not supposed to do that. Like, can I do that? But the second you invite them, I think a lot of them are more excited than not, you know, to do it. And some people just maybe don't know how and in your org and yeah, especially I think for a big organization, it might be, you know, it seems a lot more separated, you know, from the user to engineers. So yeah, I think it's always fun to have everyone to understand and see how the users in their natural habitat using the products. <laughs> We all have a hands in it, so. Yes, let's break down those walls. Going back to the other episode, communication. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk a little bit more about uh, some examples because I think that this is kind of rubber meets the road and, and where it gets like really exciting. Some more examples about where product discovery has helped shape things for the better or where a lack of product discovery has you know, shown that by not doing it, we've really missed the mark in, in your experience. So Anjali, maybe you want to kick us off. And then if we've got other examples from some of our experiences, you know, maybe we can all take a moment and kind of share. So Anjali, what are, what are some other examples that you've got as far as either successful or unsuccessful product discovery? And what, what have been some of the things that you've learned? Well, if I start about the unsuccessful <laughs> stuff, uh, there's going to be a lot. Obviously, <laughs> it's, this is one of those things, right? Discovery learning process is continuous. There is so much that you can learn. And like, if you do not know about it, you already are committing a lot of things, a lot of mis these mistakes that I spoke about before, right? Like I have been there. I have done those kind of mistakes because I did not know what discovery is all about reading about it and like trying to implement it i am myself trying to make sure that there are different facets of discovery that uh, i'm kind of putting in uh, one of the things that i spoke about was obviously involving my engineers early on same thing with uh, involving my customers early on that's something that i kind of invest a lot in i take the help of my product design team my engineers to make sure that we are able to like approach it in a right way. There are so many things that you can do. Uh, our organization right now is about delivering everything very fast. So there is not that much scope of product discovery. But as I said, it's a mindset change, right? Everyone can do a bit of discovery. You have to make sure you are able to identify your problem right. And you have to take enough efforts to be able to define that right. Get it from your users. So small, small things can be done. So one of the recent examples that I feel like the product discovery was done kind of right is a project that I'm do doing with my for my sales agents who are the end users that we have in this company. And it's basically to display the right metrics to them, which is going to help them in their day-to-day -day activities. Uh, we have made all the attempts to make sure we are gathering the right user inputs so kind of defining the problems right, what exactly are they facing in their day-to-day -day and how is it going to solve the use cases? And then going ahead and understanding from the business side of it, is it viable to give these things to them? Like a kind of like trying to understand from the stakeholders, does it matter? Do you support it? So the viability risk is being tackled in that case. The feasibility is something that we are trying to tackle with the help of the complete team. So my engineers, as well as the teams who are actually going to create those metrics, 
and we're going to display that. So trying to understand if it's feasible, like this problem is feasible to solve. We are not yet in the solution phase. Like we are trying to find out what are the different kinds of solutions. We are still in that phase wherein we are trying to say that, is this problem solvable from value risk, usability risk, feasibility risk, and viability risk, and then trying to find out all the kind of solutions and trying to see what actually like test it out users, try to do a user search, and then try to give that solution to the users using prototypes. I'm hoping we can create those prototypes uh, that's still further away, but that's the plan. And then being able to like deliver it using my engineers to actually build it. But the engineers have been involved already uh, from perspective of trying to figure out the ideas, how we want to build this different ideas, obviously, that we will be testing as well. I have a question. So in your process, you often mention like uh, usability and then business requirements and then uh, engineering, right? Is that the um, order that you recommend? I, I don't think there's, there has to be an order. Like, I feel like all these are fully important. Mm-hmm. So if you are not able to like rule out all these risks properly, doesn't matter like if only two of them are being thought about you are actually missing a key piece out here so i mean it doesn't matter like the order doesn't matter you have to make sure all these four risks are being thought about otherwise you should not be building that solution i like that out of all three pieces uh, which piece do you think is the most difficult (laughs) to yeah to get all the requirements this answer actually changes the more i understand about it the recent one that I actually have found uh, is the worst. Like we have built amazing features, uh, I mean, outcomes kind of thing. And I think the biggest thing is right now to me is the usability risk. Like will my customer actually use it, that stuff? Like I know that they want it, but that usability thing has, you you you, you have good examples about that as well, <laughs> right, Eva? But like, I, I, I used to think that viability risk is going to be the biggest because obviously that's an organization mindset change. Uh, we want to make sure we are vetting it out, but I have not really faced that much resistance in comparison to usability risk. I have found that issue that we are building exactly the thing that the customer needs and still they are not using it. So I don't know. I mean, we are trying to find out how to better tackle that. But yes, I I think that is the one that I am facing recently, which has been something that I need to think more about. Love that. And yes, I'm in it with you. (laughs) And I think we do have one more area that we kind of are curious about is that um, now that we're all working from home, everything is done remote. Has that affected your uh, process of doing product discovery? Definitely. That is one of the things uh, that... I think has, we have been working towards it. The first three, four weeks were really problematic where we were figuring out this new normal in, as such, right? Uh, one of the things that I think I can bring to the table is like sharing artifact. I think we are at that place wherein we are doing a better job at it, but like innovation can suffer if we are working in silos, like you, me, obviously when I say you, me, like the product design, product manager, the engineers, if you're working in silos, it's going to be very difficult to like innovate with the right solutions. Uh, One thing that I keep talking about is making sure all these three key product people have to be always aligned. That's one of the things uh, we have to drive a lot. And in this situation of remote discovery, that's one of the things that has suffered a bit. 
because obviously it's very difficult to be in meetings all the time, sharing what exactly is the problem. But yes, when you are kind of in that phase, I mean, that is how we have been working. I'm sure there are a lot of ideas out there. But one of the things we have been trying to work is like, as soon as as a product manager, I have a good handle of like the problem. Uh, I try to involve everyone to start thinking about that problem first. And if there are questions that come up, like, have you tried this? Have you made sure of this? Then I obviously take that as an action item and make sure that I find out more about it. If not, then we go into the next steps of discovery. So I've been trying to make that effort. And like I, I know there are a lot of things that we can do, but sharing artifacts is one of those. Uh, the other two things that I would like to highlight are the trust and the time in this rape no more discovery situation. Everyone is going through different kind of problems, different scenarios. It's very important that we trust each other, that we will be contributing to the best of our capabilities. The trust has to be there. And if if there are issues, they should be resolved as soon as possible through any any kind of means. Like obviously video is the best right now, but that's one of the things. Remove any kind of issues that you think that person like you can interpret it very differently when you are face to face versus when you are on video or chat or something make sure you are taking that effort to clarify your stand or like understand other stand as well as the time factor have different schedules uh, need to respect each other's uh, time and be flexible around their schedules but yes if you're committed to something some of the other schedule things make sure you are making that time and making it happen because obviously it's about respecting each other from time from their personality those things yeah i feel like this is also the problems that i run into i guess not so much just within discovery but kind of applies in a lot of other areas too and i am just curious my last question to you is that what uh method or tools um that you have found very useful during this time to help, you know, bridge some of that gap? I have actually, uh, that's what I'm doing right now. Like I'm trying different things. Uh, what works, that's one of the things that everyone has to understand that they have to keep trying different ways uh, how uh, how things can be implemented. But one of the key things that I have been doing is remembering that I have to fall in love with the problem and not the solution. That's one of the things I have been pushing back on with everyone who I'm involved with. Like still there is a lot of resistance around thinking about features rather than actually like thinking about the problems. And that's one of the things I have been trying to make sure everyone understands. Like guys, you're, I understand it's amazing that your solution is great, whatever you're proposing, but have you really thought about what the customer needs? It's in general, like all my end users all my stakeholders have been very, very keen about telling like, Anshali, maybe you should build this new feature. It's amazing. And I'm like, what ex- exactly is it going to solve? I'm, I'm, when I'm asking that question, they're like, I'm not sure. Let me find out. Like uh, just pushing back on them. Uh, that's one of the key things that I have been trying to force on. Doesn't matter which techniques and which other things. That's mm-hmm. one of the mindset that you have to push. I, I mean, that is one of the ones that I want to work with first before even thinking about others. But meanwhile, I'm trying to find out which techniques are going to work for us. That's great. I really love what you said about falling in love with the problem, not the solution. I think that's where a lot of us, doesn't matter what your job is, can probably fall into that that issue of like forgetting why you're doing the thing you're doing or why we're trying to go this direction. So yeah, I really loved that. Very tweetable too. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag. Yeah, exactly. 
T-shirt, T-shirt, merch idea. Yes. (laughs) This has been a really great conversation. I guess any final thoughts that you have on how to do good product discovery? I guess not. I think I've spoken. Thank you so much, guys, for this opportunity. Yeah. I mean, you just have to think about uh, that whole thing that I was talking, like transform your mindset around product discovery. Try to think about small things that you can do to make sure you are able to do some product discovery to find the right product for the right customers. Think about problems, not solutions. Think about outcomes, not output. That is all I would say. I feel like this can turn into like a new religion, like a product religion. <laughs> that that sounds like it is very important. And it's like the key to, uh, I want to say everything. <laughs> that that you know all the scenarios that we we run into as you're talking about all these like possible risks and problems i just have moments where i'm like yeah if we did this it probably would have gone the other way so yeah i feel like this has been a very good episode and we were able to dive into a lot of the how and what and a very a, a lot of tweetable moments too so 10 out of 10 so yeah thank you so much for being here with us and i think every episode at the end we try to give a shout out to whoever. And then also, this is where Kyle just pulled out the most random product related story to shock the world. So I guess, Kyle, this week, do you have any interesting product related story that you want to use to blow my mind? Oh, no. You're putting me on the spot because I don't have I'm sorry. Ready. <laughs> okay, give, give I me. mean... Give me a second. After the Triscuit, I just feel like you raise the bar a lot. And <laughs> okay. Well, or maybe we'll end up cutting this whole part out and be like, this never happened. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to. Are you really? Um, <laughs> we'll give Anjali. Anjali, do you have uh, anything that you want to, to give a shout out to or any place that folks can find you? on social media or online that you want to plug here real quick? I don't have anything. This is my first presence. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, pe- can people, I don't know, email you? Do you have a Twitter? Do you have a Twitter? You have a Twitter, uh, right? I, I do, but I don't use it. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, You're underground. That's what you are. Yeah, this is the first time I'm coming, <laughs> coming out, I'm guessing. <laughs> In a different hey. way. Listen, we don't have a lot of subscribers yet, but you might want to start one so that retrospectively, in case we get really, really, really famous and big, <laughs> that, that, that would really be the day. But yeah, Twitter's great. I mean, I feel like all design Twitter, product Twitter has been quiet because of obvious reasons lately. So, but yeah, thank you for being here with us. And I guess I usually have product related complaints but uh same thing i guess zoom please tell everyone that you have a whiteboard because nobody knew last time when we brought it up so the end right yeah i cannot be the only one complaining but fine that's it and i guess that's the episode yeah thank thanks for listening everyone goodbye thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app you can find out more about us and our podcast on our website at productbydesign.co. You can also follow us on Twitter at prodbydesign. That's at prod underscore by underscore design. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Larry Evans 
And you can also find Eva on Twitter at Yon Chow Chow. See you next time.